from Genesis chapter 22, starting with verse 6. I believe the Lord spoke to me about this service today. Verse 6 says, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And so I want to preach a little while this morning about the sacrifice, the sacrifice. And God bless you. Praise team. Thank you for being here today. And uh, I want to say that Abraham waited a long time for his son to be born. Abraham was 75 years old when God said he's going to give him a son and he's going to be 100 years old before this son is born. And during this time of waiting, you know, waiting sometimes makes us uncertain. Uh, we're not sure we got the message just right. Sometimes we ask God for things and we feel that he reassured us but then it doesn't happen immediately. We wait, we start to wonder, well, maybe he didn't tell me that he was going to do it. Maybe maybe that wasn't God that spoke to me the, uh, when I thought it was him. And, and uh, waiting causes sometimes question and indecision, sometimes doubt, sometimes then we start to fear our own relationship. Did I really hear from God or did I not? Abraham waited a long time, he, and during this time of waiting, uh, he sometimes tried to find some other solutions. And uh, uh, you know, finally he came. He said, "God, now you know, I know, I've, I know you promised me a son, but don't have a son. But what about my servant? Why don't I just let my servant be the one who succeeds me? Let him inherit all of the blessings." And and God said, "No, it's not your servant." That's that's not the one that I had in mind, and and uh, and then Abraham and his wife Sarah were uh, childless. Sarah was barren, and uh, perhaps both of them are, are saying, "You know, we got to have a son." If the promises of God, because God's made a promise that generations, nations, we're going to be a blessing to them, but if we don't have that son, how the promise is going to be stopped right here. It's it's going to be short-circuited. And um, even his wife decided to help, and she said, uh, Abraham, uh, why don't you take my maid and let her have the son? And Abraham did that. Hagar uh, he he took Hagar and she uh, was with child and, and and that was not the son. Abraham said, Lord, what about Ishmael? You know, Ishmael. And God said, no, Ishmael is not. You know, you I'm going to bless Ishmael. You've prayed for me to bless Ishmael and I'm going to do that. In fact, God uh, prophesied and, and told Abraham, Ishmael's going to have 12 sons. It's I mean, he's going to be mighty. I'm going to bless him. But uh, that's not 
what I had in my plan. And so during this time of waiting, there, there are problems. You see, sometimes uh, life goes on. We, if we're living for God, we're, somebody said God didn't promise a rose garden to us. Uh, his word said that if we live for him, we will face persecution. We'll suffer some persecution. It's going to rain on the just and on the unjust. And there, there are going to be some days that are bright days. And there are going to be some days when the sun's not shining. And, and in Abraham's life, you see, sometimes we look back at Old Testament people or New Testament characters. And we think, well, these are, these are super people. They're superheroes because they got put in God's Bible. But uh, Abraham was a natural man like us, and he faced some uh, uh, problems. He, he, he said, you know, his wife was beautiful, and he said, you know what, if we're traveling around, somebody's liable to kill me so they can have you to be their wife, so why don't you just tell them that you're my sister? And she did that. They, uh, they came to Gerar, and uh, the king was Abimelech, and the king you know, she said, well, you know, I'm, I'm his sister. So the king said, oh, wonderful. And he just took her into his home. I, good. I, you know, you're, you're beautiful. I, I think you'd make a wonderful wife for me if you're just the sister. And, and, and God stopped Abimelech from committing sin. The Bible said he, he hadn't touched her. God gave Abimelech a dream and said, uh, you, you know, you're a dead man. That you you got somebody else's wife, and Abimelech came angry. He said, listen, what, why did you do this to me? And, and he actually, he rebuked Sarah also. Abraham said, well, I was afraid somebody would kill me for her. So Abraham had his, he had his flaws. He had his problems. He, he, he had to separate from his nephew Lot. They'd been traveling together. God's blessing was on both of them. They became so rich in, in herds that there was enough, enough grass for their flocks to feed. And so Abraham said, well, Lot, you, you look both directions, whatever direction. Why don't you go one way and I'll go the other way? And he had to deal with that. And there, there are times that he, there was strife. They dug some wells and the herdsmen of Abimelech strove with them. They, they struggled over these possessions and, and uh, there were, there came the time that Abraham had to get his servants of his household. Actually, he had enough to make a small army. And his nephew Lot had been captured in battle. And so during the course of all this, Abraham's waiting for his son that's going to be born. Well, he had to go off to war. He had to go fight against five kings and, and rescue his nephew and, and, uh, Life is going on. Life is going on. And then the Lord appeared. Scripture said Abraham was, it was a day he was, I guess, looking into the distance and saw three, he said, it looks like three people coming my way. He rushed to them, said, oh, please come and uh, let's, let's fix some uh, refreshment for you. And Evidently, he recognized a theophany of the Lord. We use that word. It's not a Bible word. It just seems uh, it means a temporary appearance of God, who, of course, is invisible. God 
made some visible form to appear and spoke to Abraham. And, uh, and Abraham understands that God is about to have Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed, and that's where Lot has moved. And so Abraham is appealing. He's saying, well, you know, would you, are you going to kill everybody in that city? What if there's 50 righteous people? And would you spare it? And God said, yeah, I spared it. Oh, that's, what about, would, would just five people make a difference? What about 45 people? What about 40? What about 30? 20? Finally, he said, would you just spare the city if there's just 10 righteous people? And it's possible that Abraham is thinking about his nephew Lot and his family because he knows that there's Lot and his wife and that they're two unmarried daughters, but he knows that there are some married daughters because there are sons-in-laws. And maybe he sort of done the math and thought, you know, there's there might be 10 people in Lot's family. So God said, yeah, there's 10 people. I'll, I'll spare the city. But angels came to the city of Sodom and uh, there were not ten righteous. So Lot and his wife and two daughters were hurried out of town and fire and brimstone fell. So you see, Abraham is involved in a lot of day-by-day business. He ends up now with, with two wives because he has Sarah and he has her handmaid Hagar and they don't like each other. And so Abraham is, is trying to uh, solve strife between these women. So these things are all going on while Abraham is waiting. He's waiting a long time for his son. But when he's 100 years old, that son is born. But then God tested Abraham. And it's where our text comes from. In Genesis chapter 22, it starts out this way. It said, it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. That's another word for test Abraham. And said unto him, Abraham. And he said, behold, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I shall tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said it to his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And our text, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son and took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And the story continues then. And they came to the place which God had told him of. 
And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. That is a tense moment. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Now, Abraham was prophetic in a sense because God told him things that would come later in the future. God told him that uh, his descendants would go down to Egypt and be enslaved for 30 years. He told him that. He told him for... Uh, for some reason, the Bible says, Abraham looked for a city which has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. He, uh, we find that in the New Testament, that record that Abraham somehow understands that there's a place that's not made with human hands. There is a city that is built by God and I'm searching for that city. Every, you know, the afternoon would come and the sun, as the sun was going down, perhaps Abraham would climb the nearest hill and, and look, or follow the horizon in every direction. I wonder if I could see the lights of a city that hadn't been built by human hands. The Bible said he searched for that. So there, there is a prophetic sense in Abraham, but I don't know whether or not Abraham knew that the day he went to sacrifice his son on a mountain was also a prophetic illustration of a sacrifice God himself would make. See, as with God's promise to Abraham that he would give him a son, God promised humanity that he would give a son. He told Adam and Eve that this child would bruise Satan's heel. And... Uh, bruised Satan's head and, and, and then God made a promise through these years he made promises and he promised that it's gonna it's gonna be the seed of Abraham and it's gonna be Isaac and it's gonna be Jacob and and later he he says that, well, this promised one's going to come through the tribe of Judah. So, see, with God's promise to Abraham that took a long time, it's going to take a long time for this promise to take place. Over the decades and centuries, God would mention things about this son that he's going to send. Isaiah said that, you know, that this is going to be a virgin that's going to conceive and bear a son. And and his name's going to be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And he's going to be a ruler, and the government is going to be on his shoulders, and his kingdom won't have any end. And God had said that this, this one that was coming is going to come through the lineage of David. And, and so God even let the prophets know that 
this baby's going to be born in Bethlehem. But 4,000 years are going to go by from the time God spoke to Adam and Eve until the day finally came when the son is born. Galatians 4.4 4 says, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law. I'm just going to say the mighty God did just, he didn't just father a son, he made a body for himself to dwell in. And this son is born to be a sacrifice. Just in case you, you've never understood this, you see God's a spirit. The, the scripture says there's only one God and God is eternal and, and God's a spirit. He's invisible. Nobody has seen him. He created everything by himself. He said there's no God before him or after him. There's no God beside him. He didn't counsel with anybody else. The Bible said he counseled with his own will. The Bible says the heavens can't contain him. He's mighty. He's majestic. He doesn't need to, he doesn't need to, to group up with anybody else. He said I did everything by myself. But he's promised that there's going to be a son and this son's going to be a redeemer. He's going to be a savior. He's going to bruise the head of Satan and, and it's part of God's own law that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. That's Hebrews 9.22. But God's a spirit, John 4.24. Spirit don't have flesh and bone. bones, Luke 24, verse 39. So if God's going to offer this son to be the sacrifice, he's going to have to make a body for himself. And that's what he did according to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. Uh, it, those that know me know that I just can't get by without doing i got to illustrate this for you. I'm just going to say that a lot of people, a lot of people are confused. A lot of people feel that there's more than one God or more than one uh, somehow that they've got to pray to more than one. I had a young man live close to me when I was growing up and, and uh, there was a pond on property that his dad managed. And he told me one day, he said, uh, he said, I prayed to God and to Jesus that I could catch old Mossy back. Uh, he didn't know who to pray to. I'm just going to say that there's no God before him. There's no God beside him. The Bible says God didn't know any other God. The Bible says even the devil understands there's just one God and it scares the, the life out of him. So if God's going to make a body for himself, as it said in Hebrews 10, 10, makes a body for himself. You see, the prophecy about this son that was going to be born is that a, a virgin is going to conceive and bear a son. And so God himself overshadows the virgin Mary, causes her to give birth to a son, and that son now is the son of God because God fathers this body. He's going to be called the son of man because humanity, Mary, gave birth to him. But what's important is that the God 
who fathered this body also is going to dwell inside this body. I mentioned this before. Uh, about the best way I can explain this, God is invisible like the air in this room. Uh, God is bigger than the air. I mean, this air goes out of this room into the hall, the corridor, goes out in the parking lot, goes across town into the city limits. It goes across the state, across the nation, around the world, whatever country we go to, but it's just one air. This air is not divided up into sections. There's not air the Father and air the Son and air the Holy Ghost. It's, it's just one. There's just one spirit that's bigger than all the universe. One spirit that spoke and said, let there be and there was. One spirit that created everything. He said, I made it all by myself. And so that spirit fathers this body. So, John chapter 1 verse 14 says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. God is the Word. So God is going to be inside his body. Uh, let, let me give you a couple more verses. Colossians 1 verse 15 says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. 1 Timothy 3.16 says, God was manifest in the flesh. God who is invisible, spirit nobody has seen, made himself visible. He manifests himself in a body of flesh, a body that he himself had fathered. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. God didn't send somebody else to redeem the world. He was going to become the sacrifice himself. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. So what we do, see, God is like the air. He took the air out of the room. Put it, in. it doesn't matter where we go. It doesn't matter if we're here in America or if we're in China. Be careful what air you breathe in China. The reason we're having to meet right now is something bad came out of the out of China. Doesn't matter if you're in Guatemala, you get the air. So, now this body has a shape. Okay? God is manifest in the flesh. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus said in John 14, 10, the words I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells within me. He's the one that does the work. So, uh, this, is, this is God's own Son, while at the same time it's God's dwelling place. Now, the flesh is subjected to the Spirit. I'm going to say... Uh, the, a lot of times Jesus will speak in the flesh. But sometimes God who is within speaks through these same lips. For example, uh, Jesus can say, I'm tired, I'm going to go sleep in the bottom of the boat. That's the flesh. They wake him and say, Master, we perish. Jesus stands at the brow of the ship and the mighty God inside this body of flesh speaks through those same lips that said, I think I'm going to go to sleep. And the God who never slumbers or sleeps says to the storm, peace, be still. 
and the, the storm, the, the clouds, the rain that he himself created listens to the voice of the creator and the storm stops. And so here, but the flesh, sonship is subjected to the spirit. Jesus said this in John 6 verse 38, I came not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. So uh, I'm going to say this flesh is born for one purpose. I'm going to put him down for a minute. The uh, See, Isaiah prophesied about this son that was going to be born. And it was more than just information about his lineage or where the town he's going to be born in. But he, he prophesied, he gave us a glimpse of what was going to happen to this son that was born. It's in chapter 53 of Isaiah. It says, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. We All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offer for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge, shall my, uh, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many. And made intercession for the transgressors. Isaiah said this son that's coming. He just not going to come uh, to be kingly and wear fancy robes and, and, and sit on an earthly throne, but he's coming with a purpose. Uh, Jesus told his followers the reason for his coming in John chapter 12, verse 27. He said, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven and said, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by heard it, said that it thundered. Others said an angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. 
Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. Short time later, he stood before Pilate and he he repeated this. Uh, John 18, 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. He said, there's a reason I was born. I, I, didn't, I didn't come just to walk around and enjoy life on planet earth. I came for one purpose, and that purpose is that I am going to be the sacrificed lamb. And so uh, Jesus, uh, the torture of Jesus was brutal. Scripture tells us about him. He first he was uh, he was arrested in the garden. He was betrayed by one of his own followers. He was arrested and taken to a place of judgment. They shouted at him. They accused him of things. Finally, he is punishment is is spoken over him, and he is beaten with a whip. The scripture says that crown of thorns was plaited and placed on his head and, and uh, he was blindfolded and they beat him about the head with reeds and they spit on him and the, the prophecy uh, said that they plucked the hair of his face and they would smite him and say prophesy and tell us who it was and they put a purple robe on him and bowed before him in mockery. It was brutal. It was, it was punishment that a lot of people didn't live through. And then the sentence of death on him, Jesus did something that copied the pattern of Abraham's sacrifice. Notice what the scripture said. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. Abraham laid the wood on his son and climbed up a mountain and placed his son on the wood to die. The wood of a cross was placed on Jesus and he climbed up Golgotha's hill so he could die on that wood. For Abraham, see, God provided a substitute sacrifice and uh, Abraham was able to take the ram that he caught and uh, he was able to say his son Isaac son come on we're going to go home together let's go home and uh, Jesus didn't get spared see God didn't spare his own son uh he he himself became the substitute, not a ram that's caught in a thicket. He becomes the sacrifice himself. Abraham did not plunge the knife into the body of his son, but Jesus 
had nails pounded through his hands and feet. A spear pierced his side. But three days later, his son was no longer dead. God raised his body from the tomb in victory. Praise him. Why don't you get ready to help me here in a minute? You see, let me take you back. Remember I told you the Bible said God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. I've heard preachers preach and say, you know, there was, Jesus was God, but he was God separate from the Father. And so I've heard preachers preach this, and that's not in the Bible. I've heard preachers preach that God the Father was up in heaven looking down on his son on the cross, and he couldn't stand to see his son die, so God turns his head away so he don't have to watch his son die. But that is not true. That is not what happened because God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. The Bible said he, was, he who was rich became poor. He, he, by putting himself in, into a human body, he became poor because he felt the pain. He did feel the whip. He did feel the nails. He right. did thirst from the cross. He said, I thirst. He, he did strain and struggle to breathe. He gasped for breath. It was real blood that covered his back from the whipping and the, and the splinters of, uh, up and down his back as he tried to move and, and, and breathe. His lungs did uh, gasp for air. His muscles did quiver in, in pain and paralysis as he would try to change position. He was in that body. And I'm just going to say that as long as God was in that body, that body cannot die because God lives forever. God cannot die. Right. But God felt the pain. He put himself into this body so that he could become the substitute sacrifice and pay the debt and reconcile us back to himself. He didn't send somebody else to pay his debts. He came and paid the debt of redemption with his own body. And so after the hours of agony on the cross, God... The only God gets out of his body so that his body can die. When God's spirit leaves this body he's been living in for 33 and a half years, this flesh cries out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then this body died. They took him down, placed him in a tomb. And if the devil thought he had the final victory, he was surprised. Because God said, I'm not going to leave my body. I'm not going to let it see corruption. That body that I made for myself, it's not going to rot away. That's right. I'm going to let it be there three days and three nights like Jonah was in the belly of the whale. But I'm going to get my body back up again. 
So after the debt is paid, after the price is paid, God comes back into his body. And God appears. He appears to his disciples. And, and, and he says, come here, Thomas, put your hand in my side. You were doubting. Feel where the spear was. Touch my hands where the nails were. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus accepted that accolade of praise because he is the mighty God, right. the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He is the King of Glory. He is the Almighty One. He's the one who in the 8th chapter of John, they said, you're not even 50 years old. He said, before Abraham was, I am. He is the I am that spoke out of the bush uh, to Moses in the wilderness and said, I am. Tell him when you go, tell him I. He is the I am. And today he's the I am. He's the same yesterday Amen. and today and forever. He is still the I am. Today we're celebrating because he rose from the tomb. The grave Amen. is empty. Amen. In the same way that Abraham could say, Isaac, come on, let's go home. Jesus said, look, I prepared a place for you. I want to, I want you to come on. And go home with me. I'm just going to say that's what he wants to do for every one of us. And he'll do it. He won't do it without you coming to him. And say, God, I want to do exactly what you. You paid this price because you had a plan. So what's the plan? I'll tell you what the plan is. Because Jesus made sure his apostles understood. And after his resurrection, he went away. He poured out his spirit on those followers of his who were waiting in an upper room, 120 of them, the apostles were there, Mary, the mother of Jesus was there, and God poured out his spirit. The same spirit that had been in the body of Jesus Christ is the spirit he poured out to be in the hearts of men. The Bible tells me in the 8th chapter of Romans, the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead is the spirit that dwells in me. The scripture tells me in Ephesians 4 verse 6, there's one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you. The Father is in me. That same spirit is in me today. So if you want that spirit, he explained to his apostles what to preach. So that day the Holy Ghost was poured out for the very first time. The day the church is born, people gathered and, and they heard Peter preach about the crucifixion, about the resurrection. And they said, this same Jesus you crucified is both Lord and Christ. You see, they believe the gospel. That's the gospel message. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the gospel of salvation. But you've got to do more than believe the gospel. The apostle Paul said, if you don't obey the gospel, the Lord's going to come back in flaming fire taking vengeance on you. So they believed the gospel. The Bible said they're pricked in their hearts. And they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And instead of what a lot of preachers say today, oh, you don't do anything. Peter told them what to do. The apostles were standing as witnesses with Peter. Then Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You see, the Romans 8 chapter said, if that spirit dwells in us, it's going to quicken our mortal bodies. Right. That's right. And so I'm going to say today, 
If you were here in this building right now, I would say these altars are open. If you've never come to the Lord in repentance, here's a wonderful place for you to repent. But you see, you don't have to be here. You can find an altar in your home right now. If you've never made this step in your life, you need to find a place and start to pray and say, God, I'm so sorry for every sin I ever committed. That's what, that's that's what repentance is. Oh God, I'm so sorry. I have lived in sin. I was born with a sinful nature. I'm so sorry for everything I've ever done wrong. Every, everything I ever said, every thought I had, every action, everything I ever did against you. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. That's repentance. And as soon as you get a chance, you need to find a preacher that will baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Don't let them baptize you with some any other way. Don't let them use some kind of titles on you. You've got to be baptized in the name. You've got to be adopted into the family. The whole family in heaven and earth is named after the name of Jesus. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So get somebody to baptize you in Jesus name but you see you also you could repent today in your home and God could fill you with the Holy Ghost right now when you ask God to forgive your sins you need to believe that he forgives them and then you need to begin to thank him and praise him because God inhabits praise while you're worshiping him while you're praising him that's when God's spirit comes into your life if he comes into your heart today you'll know it because you'll do the same thing that the people did on the day of Pentecost God will begin to give you a language that is not your own and you will worship him. He will take the praise that you're giving to him, but he'll say, look, I want you to say it in this language. You won't understand, but the Bible calls it speaking with other tongues as the spirit gives the words to utter. If it hadn't happened, you ought to let that happen today. While they're getting ready to sing, I want to pray a prayer for you. Jesus name, God, I pray for somebody today who understands they've already understood and they already believed that that one day there was an old rugged cross and one day there was a bloody sacrifice made for sin they they believe that story they're thankful their 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 heart is tender and they're touched because you would pay such a price but they've never understood what to do to make that personal and so would you help somebody today find an altar of repentance let somebody Pour out all all the transgression. Pour it out before you. And and be purged and cleansed and, and forgiven. Fill them with your spirit. Let them find a place where they can be baptized in your name. Let their name be written on the Lamb's book of life. Let let every sin be bathed, washed away in in the sea of your blood. Oh, Lord Jesus, let their hearts be prepared for your coming. Someday you're going to come back and your your word says that spirit in us is going to quicken us. You're going to catch us up. You've prepared a place. And like Abraham said to Isaac, you're going to say to us, come on. Come on home. Come on home. I prepared a place for you. In Jesus' name. God bless you so much. Would you sing? On Calvary Hill of Sorrow, where sins demands were paid and raised up hope for tomorrow.
Stream of love. 